What's going on, guys? And welcome into the pregame presser with Alexander Plant and Sean McDonald. Sean, how's it hanging today? Doing good. Hope everybody had a, a good last weekend and um, ready to go and uh, talk about this uh, Alabama victory and uh, other games across the slate on college football this past weekend. And what a victory it was. The number two Alabama Crimson Tide took down number three Georgia Bulldogs in quite the fashion. You know, first half had a little bit of a struggle going into the halftime, down 24-20. to 20. However, the Alabama defense came out and put in the clamps. Georgia went scoreless in the second half, and Alabama ended up winning the game 41-24. to 24. Sean, what was your most important key to the success of that Alabama offense, especially in the second half? Well, Mac Jones continues to do Mac Jones things. The Joker's running wild throughout all of SEC. He becomes the first Alabama quarterback in the history of the program to throw for 400 yards in three straight games. That offense is clicking on all cylinders. Also, we had a very heavy dosage of the run game as well as Najee Harris was able to get going. He had 31 carries for 152 yards with one touchdown. The receivers, they ate as well too. Devontae Smith with 11 catches for 167 and two touchdowns. And Waddle had six receptions for 161 and a touchdown. And don't forget that number eight, John Mechie, rocking it like he's Julio out here with three receptions for 50 yards. And he also picked up a touchdown this weekend for the Crimson Tide. I've got to say that that wide receiver core is the best, in my opinion, in Alabama history. Better than last year's, better than the year before. Jalen Waddell and John Mechie are two of the most explosive players that I've ever seen, and not even to mention Devontae Smith being the best route runner in Alabama football history, in my opinion. Sean, what kind of you know game plan did Kirby Smart have for this Alabama offense, and why didn't it work out? See, you would think that, that Kirby Smart would go go against more of the Alabama bringing it up-tempo type, as you would see what Lane Kiffin did, maybe just to throw some, some wrinkles in there on the Alabama defense. That really never got going. I mean, in the first half, Bama did struggle, but also I contribute that a lot to Jordan Battle being out. Uh, he picked up a targeting penalty late in that Ole Miss ball game, so he was out for the first two quarters um, against Georgia. But... I mean, overall, the, the four running backs that we talked about in the in last episode for Georgia, I thought that they would be successful, mostly on the ground. None of them were able to uh, get over 100 yards on the ground. I think that's the first time that ha hasn't happened for the Bulldogs all year. And Stetson Bennett wasn't able to get it going. The Alabama defensive line did an incredible job of batting balls down at the line of scrimmage. You really could see ben, uh, Stetson Bennett was flustered. He only went 18 of 40 with three interceptions. He did have two TDs, but a lot of those yards were accumulated on that wheel route from uh, from Z uh, James Cook, the uh, Georgia Bulldog running back, on, on a deep busted play against the linebacker. And overall, other than that, the Alabama defense uh, kept it in contain for the most part. Yeah, I really think that what was important about the first half compared to the second half was that Georgia was in control of the game. Once Alabama put that pressure on Georgia, they stopped doing the things that was allowing the offense to have success. One thing that I thought that Todd Monk and the Georgia offensive coordinator did well was that he was drawing up motion plays and allowing Stetson Bennett to really open up the mismatches for Georgia's offense against Alabama's defense. You mentioned that play with James Cook. He was being guarded by Christian Harris, and that was set up by a motion that switched man-to-man -man assignments. 
Alabama, without Jordan Battle, did not run a lot of zone. They ran a lot of man-to-man in the first half. But, like you said, Jordan Battle had a significant impact on that Alabama defense in the second half. Being able to switch out personnel like that meant that Alabama had more flexibility in coverages, more flexibility in uh, blitzes, which you know definitely changed up the get- game plan for the Georgia offense, which meant that you know he was putting Stetson Bennett in a more uncomfortable position, and that's why you saw those two interceptions in the third quarter against the Alabama, uh, Alabama defense. Yeah, what Georgia's not the type of team to play from behind. They haven't really done it all year. I mean, they they did start slow against Arkansas and Tennessee, but they were easily able to recover. But when an Alabama offense is striking so quick, Georgia's type of offense with like a lot of eye form and a lot of draw inside zone, they're not they're not built to score very fast. They want to drain the defense, long drives, ten plus plays, draining the clock to try to get that defense on the other side of the ball to make stops, and then they can just repeat and keep going and doing that over again. But when you go down 14, 17 points and you're trying to fight back with that type of offense, it's usually not a recipe for success. I I 100% agree with you. It was extremely hard to play from behind, especially when you don't have the type of personnel that you would usually need to run a hurry-up style shotgun offense, Stetson Bennett, is not very good in a drop-back setting. He's more of a play-action pass guy, and without establishing the run, play-action does you no good. All it does is waste your time in the pocket. One thing that I thought was also key to the game was Stetson Bennett's small size. I thought that that played a key in the Alabama defense being able to swarm the outside of the pocket and make him step up where that he couldn't see over these Georgia and Alabama linemen. I think that that played a key. You saw a lot of batted balls, especially in the third quarter, and that's what ended up making him throw those two interceptions in the second half. He had to bail out of the pocket and ended up making a bad read because it's hard to throw on the run. So, Sean, what kind of game plan do you think Kirby Smart was drawing up against Alabama's offense to try and stop him? It didn't really seem, especially in the second half, like he had a specific strategy. With Kirby Smart and his game plan against the Alabama offense, in the first half, I would say he probably said it was a success, but that that end, that end, very end of the drive to end the quarter with 23 seconds to go in the first half, I believe that field goal was really huge uh, for Alabama's momentum, just kind of like last year in the Iron Bowl that uh, happened with Carlson against Alabama, was able to jolt them into the second half. His first half game plan, he was probably pretty pleased with how his Georgia defense played. But in that second half, I really saw the offensive line just open up a lot of holes for Najee Harris. The pass blocking, it was still there for Mac Jones. Mac Jones was able to go 24 of 32 for 417. I mean, that's a recipe for success every time. He, he really wasn't pressured. I thought that Kirby Smart would dial up some more blitzes. Like, Georgia had, I, th- I believe it was two, two sacks on the day. I, w- I thought he would bring more pressure with the linebackers. He really didn't. He sat back in, in zone. And the way that, that Alabama's played this year in their passing game with so many good wide receivers and so many weapons, I just don't know if that's a recipe for success if you're gonna if you're gonna go up against this Alabama defense and just give Mac Jones ample time to throw the football. Cause he's definitely shown in these first three games prior to this this Georgia matchup that he has been able to beat people in the air. And if you just sit back and wait for him, he will throw it over the top and do whatever he pleases. You know, I really thought, like I said in last week's episode, I thought that Uh, Kirby Smart was going to try to take uh, a play out of the Jimbo Fisher playbook and make Mac Jones beat him with his arm. However, it didn't really seem like there was a specific strategy to stop Najee Harris. Najee Harris still had 
a great day rushing for 152 yards, scoring a touchdown on the on the ground. Just being able to dominate that run game really confused me because I thought that Kirby Smart would be doing one of the others, trying to stop Mac Jones completely in that passing game or stopping Najee Harris. But as you can but as you saw on Saturday, neither of those game plans worked out for Kirby and Alabama's offense was able to run wild in the second half. Nick Saban, another thing of highlighting, rushing and run block, he's got to be pleased with that. Uh, Alabama's made a lot of strides since week one. I mean, every team's going to be a little bit rusty coming out of the gate. But that offensive line, I mean, if not, if, if not just as good, might be better than last year as a whole. They're, I mean, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders right now. Even Najee Harris in the postgame says – they ever, the media gives him a lot of glory that y'all need that everyone needs to start giving the offensive line even more praise. And if it's not for the offensive line, then Najee Harris can't score touchdowns. And if it's not for their pass block, then obviously Mac Jones can't throw touchdowns. So I think that's a huge key as moving on deeper into the season. Will this play continue from the offensive line? Because as of right now, they're looking like one of the best, if not the best offensive line in the country. You know, I want to second that they are the best offensive line in the country. And I think the reason that it's working so well for Alabama right now is versus, you know, last year, you know, you didn't really see a lot of sacks, but you saw more than what's happening this year. And I think that's because Alabama's offensive scheme with a less mobile quarterback in Mac Jones works very cohesively because, you know, if you have a if you have a good offensive line that's good at pocket protection, but you have a quarterback that runs out of the pocket, it's hard to provide that protection. With Mac Jones being such a great seven-step drop, five-step drop quarterback right straight back in the pocket versus a Tua or a Jalen Hurts who would uh, roll out into the side of the pocket on a play action because maybe they're a little bit smaller and they need the open space to be able to read the defense. Uh, you know, running – being able to run stretch plays, move the offensive line around from right to left, and also being able to go vertically with the pass game, it makes the offensive line's job a lot easier, and I think that's what is making them look like the best Alabama offensive line that we've had in quite a few years. Last but certainly not least, Sean, the special teams. What did you like from that special teams unit this past Saturday? The hot take from episode one continues to be true. Alabama's perfect on field goals and a huge props to the man, Will Reichert, with his career long of 52 yards. He keeps knocking them through. Doesn't matter how close it was to the uprights, it got through the uprights. So the hot take's still rolling. Bama's still out there producing on special teams, at least in the field goal uh, department. But overall, I mean, the kicking looks good. But uh, I do, I do think, though, that punting, we might see a change here in the uh, upcoming weeks. Sam Johnson, once again, I mean, he had four punts this week. He only averaged 32, uh, 32 yards as well. You might see Ty Piron back in there. We saw him for a short stint last year in the punting game late in the season. You might even see Reichert get back out there, but Reichert was injured last year when he did attempt and go in for punts. So I don't know if Saban jumps the gun on that to put him in both duties. But uh, you might see Ty Piron go back out there and uh, try to try to get a little bit more yards for average when we're trying to flip the field in the punting department. Well, I've got to say that Will Riker kick was very surprising and beneficial to that Alabama offense. However, I'm going to have to dog him this week. I thought the kickoffs were awful. 
Uh, and I think that Saban is noticing that as well. Georgia was able to field six kickoffs, which, you know, for a college football program, that's okay. But for the Alabama Crimson Tide and another blue blood college football program, that's not acceptable. Obviously, Georgia did not have that problem. You saw plenty of touchbacks. You saw Jalen Waddle put his arms to, the, to his side to let everybody know he's not fielding this kickoff. I definitely think that Alabama needs to improve in both the punting game, like you said, and kickoffs. Georgia got a lot of good field position beyond the 25-yard line in this past week's game. Obviously, they're the number three ranked team in the country, but you cannot rely on Alabama's defense to put a stop like they did in the second half because they haven't been able to do that other than that second half. Therefore, you've got to take every opportunity you can to give them the advantages that they need, like starting off on the 20-yard line rather than the 33 or the 37 because, you know, Georgia gets a good uh, kickoff return. So, obviously, Alabama's not going to play much more talented teams than Georgia in the regular season, but once you get to the SEC championship, possibly playing Georgia again, and once you get to the college football playoffs, potentially, you can see much more talented teams take advantage of both that kickoff return and the Alabama defense with good field position. So, Sean, what was your key player of the game in the second half for the Alabama defense? Obviously, you know, the first half, that was rough. There's not really a key player to that because Georgia was able to put up 24 points. But that second half, who was your key player? Um, I'm definitely going to go have to go with – if uh, we, we'll go by half basis here. I'm going to have to go with two players this week. On the defensive line, pressure-wise, and also a lot of deflections at the line, I'm going to have to go with DJ Dale. I think he played his most complete game this year. Um, a lot of pressure on Bennett. Uh, maybe didn't uh, rack up the sacks, as we, we, we would say, but he definitely had a lot of pressure forcing Bennett to get out of the pocket and whatnot. And secondly, you definitely saw a whole flip in the second half when Jordan Battle entered the game. His presence was definitely huge, like you mentioned earlier in the episode, Alexander, that – the defense was able to open up more plays and more playbook, definitely with, with DeMarco Helams taking over in that first half for Jordan Battle's position. You might have saw Saban keep it more vanilla and keep keep some of the, the more difficult coverages uh, in the back. But uh, when Jordan Battle entered that field, definitely the Alabama defense was able to bring in more blitz packages and look better as a whole, like overall. I'm going to have to say that my player of the game, especially in the second half, was Dylan Moses. I definitely think you saw, once Alabama had that switch in personnel, like you said, with Jordan Battle coming back in, Dylan Moses really took control of those blitzes and against the run game. It for, he forced Stetson Bennett's hand to actually you know, pass the football outside of the pocket. He was able to put a lot of pressure on him. He was able to call blitzes with Will Anderson, getting them in position, especially with Christian Harris as well. You know, he didn't have – Christian Harris did not have that great of a first half, but his second half was solid. Moses ended up on the game with five solo tackles, five assisted tackles, one sack, and one tackle for loss. This was Dylan Moses' most complete game as a starter so far. I definitely think that you're going to see more of this with this more completed Alabama defensive back unit. Uh, you could definitely see that the, the glue was finally gelling in the second half with those DBs, which, which takes the pressure off of Moses to make sure that the pass game has its good coverage, and it allows him to focus more on doing his job, which is commanding the front seven and blitzing and stopping the run. So I definitely think that Moses will be my player of the game for the at least the second half. 
But back to the offense. Who is your offensive player of the game? My offensive player of the week, I mean, the man setting records week in and week out. It's going to have to be the Joker, Mac Jones, 24-32 for 417 and four touchdowns. It was a complete game. And not only, I mean, the stats jump out at you for sure, but a thing I noticed this year as as we have progressed through week four is Mac Jones, he's not looking to, like, extend plays and necessarily force anything. Like, on third down, there's been times where, I mean, you have to to try to extend the drive. But if nothing's there on first or second down, he takes the check down or he takes the drag across the middle. It's not ever just like, all right, we got to get all of it in one play right here. He is making the right decisions at the right time. And if he's finding open guys, he's finding them all over the field and he's just doing the right play and he's taking what the defense gives him. I think that's definitely new that you've seen from the Alabama de- uh, Alabama offense this year. And if Mac Jones continues to do that, um, Alabama is going to be put in a great position in every single game this year. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't think Mac Jones was the player of this game. However, Mac Jones, I'm giving him all the credit. He played a phenomenal game. But I definitely think my player of the game is going to have to be Devontae Smith. Devontae had one of the best route-running games that I've seen in a very long time. You saw that throw that Mac Jones made in the corner of the end zone, which was an absolute beautiful ball, but that was phenomenal route-running by Devontae Smith. You saw that uh, run off the jet sweep to the right for 14 yards for the touchdown. You also saw every single time that Mac Jones targeted him this past game, Devontae put his hands on the ball and caught it. He was one of the most influential players in the game. He was able to stretch the ball on third down. If you can recall, in the middle of the third quarter, Alabama's offense was still struggling at the time. You know They had gone scoreless for about the first half of the third quarter. But Devontae, on a, on a third and long, was able to find the sticks, turn around, and catch the football. It w- played a really key part into allowing Alabama to score on that drive, and that's really what opened up the floodgates, in my opinion, for that Alabama offense. Credit to Devontae, but definitely also credit to Mac. I think he also played a great game, but I just think Devontae really played the role in exploding that Alabama offense and demolishing that Georgia defense in the second half. Devontae did get a lot of high praise from Mac after the game in Mac's uh, post-game uh, interview. He said a Jordan-level type competitor also said that that who it doesn't matter who was on him, throw him the football if he's open. So I, I think Mac Jones listened to him. I mean, racking up 167 yards, he's got to be doing something right. And uh, he just looked like another beast out there and just another day at the office for that Alabama offense. I have one question for you, Sean, before we wrap this all up. Do you think Mac Jones leaves early this year to go to the NFL draft? Is he an NFL prospect yet? I mean – He's already getting early comparisons to a Burrow season. He does still have a year of eligibility left. So, I mean, I don't know if I, if, if I would say he's leaving just now. I mean, depending on – I mean, you're going to have the Bryce Young the Bryce Young Calvary coming in saying that it's his time and whatnot. But, I mean, with these stats and these numbers, he's looking like an NFL prospect, if not already is one. But if it comes down to it, uh, I think if uh, – this might be his uh, his last hurrah. I think he will end up going to the NFL if he if he continues to put up these numbers and continues to do this with this Alabama offense. I don't see there's any reason coming back risking injury. You have another Tua situation and something happens like that. 
But if, if he continues to throw for 350-plus every single game, like that's looking for a first-round ballot right there. I definitely can't agree with you on the fact that there are going to be a lot of people calling for him to go to the NFL. However, I think he stays. One thing that Matt Jones has showed a lot is loyalty to his teammates, loyalty to the coaching staff, and loyalty to the Alabama football team. You know, it wasn't a guarantee that he was going to get this job with Bryce Young coming in, who is obviously a five-star from California. You know, he competed for this job. He got the job. And I think he's having a lot of fun winning right now. Um, You know, look for other players to influence his decision on whether or not they go or stay, as well as look for the success of this football team at the end of the season to determine whether or not he goes or stays. You could maybe see something like Dylan Moses, who was not happy with how last season ended, and that's why he returned. Uh, You've seen that happen in the past with Jonathan Allen as well. Uh, Mac, obviously a key to this Alabama offense. You might also see some Alabama coaches try to convince him to stay because he is such a crucial player in this game. Yeah, also another thing to point out with with Mac, I've seen it. I mean, the media has seen it as well. I don't know if we've had a, a group of guys that have that have came out and like actually just vouched for a teammate as much as uh, I've seen early on in the season with Mac Jones. A lot of the wide receivers saying he's the hardest working guy on the team, and this might be one of those guys that we've had in the past, like an AJ or a Tua, that is at that quarterback position. That's like the closest closest thing that you're going to get to a to a captain C on your jersey. And I see a lot of those guys. Um, as well around that offense and that defense rally around this guy, and they're willing to go to war for, for this dude with the way he carries himself and just how he's a competitor on the field every Saturday that he uh, that this Alabama team steps out there. Definitely. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the pregame presser with Alexander Plant and Sean McDonald, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.